0: This Thursday, February 21, 2019, we are going to be at Valley Lodge in Wilmette, Illinois. It's going to be a meet and greet. I will be there. Feel free to stop by and talk to myself and a variety of members from the project. We can talk about all the cool initiatives we've been up to over the last few years and all the cool things that we've got on the horizon. I think it's going to be a special night full of great conversation. There's also going to be food and drink, and Valley Lodge is pretty generous. 10% of the proceeds from all food and drink will go back to the project, as long as you add Good Athlete Project to your receipt. I believe that's how it works. Is that right? That's right. That's it. But the, the really exciting stuff, I think, is going to come in terms of the additional sponsorship opportunities. So we're going to have donations, we're going to have opportunities to donate to specific branches of the project, uh, but we're also going to have opportunities to name scholarships within the project, which is something that we've never done before. But for example, we scholarship currently athletes in Haiti, basketball players in Haiti Who have combined competitive excellence with commitment to academics. They've really shown promise in the combination of those areas. We scholarship recipients of the Academic Achievement Award in basketball to uplift the youth of Haiti by paying for a year worth of class. If you want your name on that scholarship, so for example, what's your name again? Alan. So give me something. Nadalna. So, Alex's Academic Achievement Award, supporting basketball players in Haiti. Hypothetically, you can name it whatever you want, but I think having a namesake in this really cool and important work is going to be fun for a lot of people. We're also doing one for the Good Lifter of the Year in the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association we'll explain how that works we are also going to do something with Lost Boys which is a partner organization of ours on the south side of Chicago we'll explain how that works but it's going to be a lot of fun very meaningful work and we're hoping it really pulls our supporters more fully into the Good Athlete Project family other quick updates I'm going to be at the LTAD Playground on February 23rd at Lewis University in Romeoville, Illinois it's a great event hosted by Joe Eisenman it is it's full of fantastic people you can check our instagram coach for kindness and the twitter at the same address you can register with the eventbrite link and immediately after the ltad playground conversation i'm hopping on a plane and heading down to oklahoma city where i will be collecting podcast interviews with fantastic people planning for the may beyond strength clinic down there again hosted at athlete inc by our friend jared guy and not to mention, I'm going to be competing in powerlifting nationals, NASA nationals down in Oklahoma City. So that should be a lot of fun. I'd also advise anyone interested in the powerlifting or strength scene to check out some of the additional work, a partner project of ours, IHSPLA.com. That's the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association. We've got the first meet coming up this Saturday at Stag High School. It's going to be Stag, Romeoville. Lockport, Sandburg, duking it out in the first meet of the year, and then we've got at least one or two meets every month until May, when we are hosting the state championship for powerlifting in the state of Illinois. That's all the updates for now. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Healthy and active kids learn better, period. That's one of the mottos of Paul Zantarsky, who's our guest on today's podcast. After a long and successful career in teaching, Paul is now a physical education consultant. He's considered by many to be the guru or the godfather of PE, at least in the state of Illinois. But his message is spread much farther. Paul presents and consults not only coast to coast across the nation, but internationally as well. His Learning Readiness PE program has collected valuable data backing the idea that physical activity has very positive impacts on neurological function. I first came across Paul's work when I was reading the book Spark by John Rady. We've since become friends and it is clear that his wealth of experience in this field is something we can all benefit from. If for no other reason, Paul touches on something that is nearly universal in education. In his own words, every parent wants their children to be successful but they have yet to figure out that success and happiness come from children who are healthy. Here's some of the how and why, including some of the research that Paul collected when he was an educator, and learn from good man, good teacher, and friend of the project, Paul Zentarski.
1: When I retired, it went on for another year. 2011, Mm -hmm. they had another year, and then I wanted to collect data over the course of a whole year by that time. And uh, everything was everything was fine. But then when I retired, and it, because here's what the problem is, it takes special scheduling.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: hand scheduling kids, right. which takes it's an inordinate amount of time.
0: It is. It's so frustrating. You you are <laughs> tapping on a very raw nerve for me right now. We're trying to adjust certain initiatives at the school. We're trying to. Um, finally fully align our physical education program and our strength conditioning program, which is what I've been overseeing for the past however many years, in addition to all this, you know, stuff that looks like learner readiness. And there's no way around it if you want to do it well. You have to hand schedule. You've got to be invested. You've got to kind of believe that it works and be willing to go the extra mile to make sure that these kids have this opportunity. But one thing that I have uh, noticed, so this is from, just for me, I've noticed that people are so – I'm getting kind of worked up here. Good. Uh, people are so comfortable with the status quo, meaning I think if we if, if we think we can sort of corral kids, get them to sit down and shut up for lack of a better term and, and not get in trouble over the course of the day and then cap the day after nine periods and send them on their way and, and kind of high-five everyone saying, look, look what we just did. We moved through this curriculum uh, that we learned at the conference – you know, and and nobody got in trouble. What an exceptional day. That's not, that's bad. That is like, you're talking about, you're talking about now turning lathes in a a precision parts factory. You're talking about, you know, like that is, that is a design for, um, for nothing exceptional essentially. That's
1: the industrial model of education. That's exactly
0: right. It's it's, it's just Come
1: on in, sit down and shut up. And that's it. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to deliver.
0: It is so, it's so aggravating. I got to tell you this story and I'd love to hear your feedback on it. But one of the first initiative of the good athlete project post-college, you know, I went to grad school to kind of really dig into this stuff even more. And the first initiative was we were out and I won't name anything, but we were, we were out at a school out West. uh, You know, again, I'll keep it completely anonymous. We were at a school out West and we were brought in to deal with a disruptive population and immediately kind of my antenna were up. I was like, what, do you, what, what exactly do you mean by a disruptive population? Why are we the people for it? We found out later that it was it came down to either us or like a scared straight sort of initiative. Now, we get out there and not only have they sort of tagged 30 of their most disruptive kids to put in our laps, we've never met the kids before, but not only do they give us our 30 more most disruptive kids, their 30 most disruptive kids to run a workshop with, um, but we kind of, we did an analysis of the school. So we walked around and, and observed. It wasn't just those 30. It was the entire school population. There was, there was no place to work out. There were no athletic teams. There was no physical education curriculum. It was a sit down, shut up model. And, and in the back rooms post intervention, I said in the most polite way I could, you know, how can we expect anything but this? You could say, so say it's an 800 person school and you're telling 800 kids to sit down and shut up, wouldn't it make sense just based on the nature of human biology that at least 30 would bubble up as sort of I'm having a tough time paying attention and I can't sit still and all those things? Disruptive drives me freaking crazy when I hear it now. Uh, but uh, but you're right. It, it's an industrial model and it, it just doesn't work. Well, because it's efficient. It's cost-effective It's cost to teach kids that way. way.
1: And, and, and you're right because, I mean, now I've been fortunate enough to to travel to Sweden mm-hmm. okay, yep. and see the educational systems in Sweden. But they've come to learn how to do things from me. Mm-hmm. So now what they have is, in over 200 plus schools in Sweden, they have what they call pulse training. And they bring their kids in before school, a lot of them, because they think it's all about zero pre until mm-hmm. I go in and, and say, no, it's throughout mm-hmm. the Class, day. Yeah. And it's about active classrooms. Yeah. And and so they bring kids in and they put heart rate monitors on them and get them in their zones. Or, and they're amazed at what they see. I had a guy from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. He was in charge of the whole city of Charleston, South Carolina, phys ed program. And he was the athletic director of all the schools. And he also had the ROTC program, the driver. I mean, he, he did everything. And he had heard about us. So he comes to visit. He sees my class. I send him up to see the active math classrooms and whatnot. And he says... I can't, I can't do all that you're doing here in this peak. He was at the time he was watching a leadership class, and so it's another. This story will go on forever. I, <laughs> I mean, we could be talking for days. But he, we were doing something called a challenge called Nights Around the Table, where I had a, a pommel horse without uh-huh. the pommels on it. Okay. okay. And kids had to jump from a distance of about three feet away to get on it, go all the way around it, and then jump off three feet on the other side. Well, it's a team building thing. So you've got to get some people on, you've got to help kids around and whatnot. Well, he's there and he sees an African-American young lady gets down on her knees and helps this frail young white girl get up there because he says that would never happen in my community. Oh wow. So, well I said, all right, but you, there's gotta be some. So he goes and he takes zero hour PE back. He went to a junior high, and he it was a disruptive junior high. Mm-hmm. He took the 16 worst boys yeah. and brought them into first hour, zero hour PE. And he called it intense PE. Mm-hmm. That after six months, the principal said no. We're going to call it puke PE, because if the kids aren't puking when they come out, you haven't worked hard enough.
0: Wow, really. okay.
1: And then they collected data. Well, they all Zoomed academically. Mm-hmm. Their discipline problems were escalating until the semester. He came, he put instituted it, and then toward by May, it, it decreased significantly. It, yeah. it works everywhere. That's right. And, and why people don't... Embrace it. Mm-hmm. Why they don't think PE is a is an initiative or is a is a problem solver? I mean, it. Yeah. it I mean, that's what it really is. Yeah. Be- and it, because, and I, I've I've always said this. It's because we PE teachers early on we didn't do things right. Mm-hmm. We fair. we thought. Okay, I'm getting in the P. I'm going to do it for coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to roll out the ball. We, you know, we played bombardment. We did all of these. You know, it was all about sports. We didn't care about the young lady in the back corner of volleyball court who didn't right. want to get anywhere right. near the ball and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it, that's just the way it was.
0: It's the way they. That's the way they trained us. Can I tell you? It's really re- actually refreshing to hear you say that. And and here's why. I think. First of all, that's not how all of P.E. is run, obviously. But that's how enough of P.E. was run to give enough people bad experiences to put this sort of taste in people's mouths. Exactly. And I think instead of denying that, uh, physical educators as a profession, I think you have to look at the problem directly in order to adjust. I say regularly, and I think you heard me say this last at the last um, SHAPE conference, uh, the Eifert conference. Um, you, Okay, I've, I've been back to grad school a couple times. I take academics very seriously. I am not trained to be a physical education teacher. I don't have the credentials, but I think PE is the most important class that exists when it's done well. There's a little asterisk on it because if if done well, it, it changes the thing, the thing being the human vessel, it changes the thing that enters every subject room, every relationship. You mentioned disciplinary stuff. Uh, if it, it, it is universal in its application if you see the platform of physical education as that. And I think more people, I think that's why you are of legendary status. Yeah. I, I, I mean it. Listen, so, and, and, I, and I'm telling you, I think, I think every sort of generation, it'll, it'll have to be kind of kicked or nudged in, or pushed, whatever, in the right direction. And you've obviously, excuse the pun, kind of picked up the ball on this and, and run with it. And from that, the ripple effect of the of the work that you've done, I think we don't we don't yet know how that will manifest, but but it's really exciting. Can you tell us more? I don't know if you've se- you've obviously seen it, but um, mindfulness, discipline, anxiety—have you seen that? Even if it's just in your own life, because I think people think, okay, fine, I, 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 I believe you, Paul or John Rady or yeah. whoever it might be. Exercise can help you, you know, can improve test scores, can improve grades, you know, reading levels. How is it going to help my kid in other ways? Because I think those are equally important, for sure.
1: Well, again, academically, we we've, we've seen it with the with the proof we've had, you know, from two thousand and three or two thousand four through two thousand eleven, when we had a learning readiness PE program, mm-hmm. and when we when we looked at it, every every school or school district that's embraced the concept and and found out and again they they always tend to work with their struggling students because everybody's held accountable to that sure and and they don't look and they don't look to see all right we've got this advanced placement physics class going on why don't we put kids in the PE class Mm -hmm. before they go to you know it's always the struggling kids anyway it would it would work so the science behind it works I mean they they know it. the The brain becomes activated. The, the The neurotransmitters become. It's like throwing all the neurotransmitters in a blender and coming up with a smoothie that's going to help mood and cognitive the, function. The right that's cocktail of
0: it. That's, that's right.
1: right. It's the right cocktail. Um, so, but, the, but but again, the the um, the disconnect, as mm-hmm. I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Administrators or school people don't talk to neuroscientists, and neuroscientists yeah. don't talk. And and the um, the data, the research is compelling enough. You got to you got to start paying attention. Yeah, I know. I know. In my life, there's like in my case because of because of the injuries we've talked about. There's not a day that I don't wake up in pain. Hmm. I mean, so I could I could walk around as a grumpy sourpuss old man and in my community i see that sure i see a lot of grumpy people even though we're a yeah. very active community as we talked about and so if i didn't exercise i could i could see where i would turn into a grumpy old man it it helps my psyche as it were it it gets me through it uh, it gives me i mean it gives me a sense of purpose that I, you know i said okay I, you know, I got to come to the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple. So in my, in you know, in my own life, but exercise has always been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. You know. I ran early on and you know, I was a football player in high school, I was a soccer player in what college. position did you
0: play at Fenwick? I, I meant was, to touch to come a, back to that. I was an
1: offensive and defensive tackle.
0: I love not it. very
1: good, I am not have. very good. <laughs> not very good.
0: But you liked it and you had a passion for sports, so this was always sort of inc- an inclination of yours.
1: Yeah. I mean I I always enjoyed sports growing up as a kid in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean we played everything. We you know, basketball, football. Mm-hmm. Uh, softball because I grew up in the city, yep. you know, it was all 16-inch softball. I played little league or pony league again, not very good. I was never a very good athlete. Even though I'm in my school's College Hall of Fame.
0: There it is. Which school?
1: Quincy College. Or there you it's go. Not yeah, Quincy, I know Quincy University now.
0: Quincy, um what are they? The Dewhawks? No. Just Hawks. Just the Hawks. That's Just right. Just the Hawks. It's Loris is the Dewhawks. Quincy's the Hawks. Right. That's right. Anyway,
1: I'm there because I, when I graduated from from Fenwick I wanted to, I wanted to go someplace and, and get away a little bit and so I wanted to get into sociology mm-hmm. I had a priest who said Quincy's got a good sociology program you ought to go there so I went there and so back in those days we didn't visit our college campuses mm-hmm. I mean you just right. you applied you got accepted your parents dropped you off
0: yeah and good then luck. Le- and then left that <laughs> yeah. was,
1: that was it in the old days yeah So, all right, so my parents both worked in the factory. So on Saturday morning, we drove to Quincy, which was, in those days, about a five-hour drive. We unpacked my stuff into the dorm. On Sunday, they left. They had to be back at work at the factory, you know, on Monday. So now I'm walking around the campus on Sunday for the first time looking it over. As I walk by, there's a guy kicking a soccer ball into a net next to the building that was what we called Old Main. Mm -hmm. It was a little field off to the side. I had never seen soccer a day in my life at Mm. that point in time. You know, this is now 1965. Mm. I said, what the heck are you doing? He said, well, I'm on the soccer team here. He says, I'm getting ready for practice tomorrow. I said, really? He says, come on out here. I'll I'll show you how to kick. Nah, nah. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll go in there as a goalie. Mm. Tell me what I need to do to what can I do to prevent the ball from going? He says, Any way you could stop it. Yeah. Well, I had some good fortune against him, not knowing he was like number 36 out of 36 guys in the team.
0: Ah, uh, you know, yeah, sure. So that's why. I- but you I- stopped I- him. He said, Sure.
1: So, so at, at the end of the session, he said, Hey, you know what? We could use a, a, a backup goalkeeper. I mm-hmm. said, Nah, you know, I'm here to study, but. He says, No, really, we could. <coughs> I said, Nah. So I go back to the dorm, and back in those days, it was an all-boys dorm, mm-hmm. you know, Quincy being a Catholic school. right? Uh, they put us in the dorm uh, based on your last name, but alphabet. Okay. <laughs> so next door to me is a guy by the name of Robel, W-R-O-B-E-L. So we're out in the hallway, we're meeting each other, getting ready to go to dinner for the first time. And I said, yeah, I saw this kid kick in soccer ball. He says, yeah, I'm here on scholarship. You know, I'm from St. Louis. I'm here on scholarship. And he says, and we could use a backup goalkeeper. There you go. He says, i tell you what, meet me here at 3 o'clock tomorrow. I said, he says You got a pair of shorts? Yeah, I got my Converse uh, black all-stars, you know. Love it. The classic, yeah. <laughs> classic. Yeah. You know, T-shirt. I said, okay. So he takes me to practice, and they let me be a backup goalkeeper. For four years, I was a backup goalkeeper. But my sophomore year, we were undefeated, hmm. national champs. Oh wow! Junior year, we were national champs. So I'm in the college hall of fame because my team was undefeated, the national <laughs> yeah, champs. Yeah. And there I am as, as the backup goalkeeper.
0: That's amazing. Back to back national championship team. Back to back
1: national championship. No and idea. then my senior year, we we lost to Rockhurst two to one in the finals.
0: In the finals. In mean, the finals. Wow. So, That's impressive. Yeah. Very cool. So it was, again, just being in the right place at That's the right, right. time. Just lucky, well, like And fair enough. So you've said that a couple of times. I think a good, gracious guy like you should say stuff like that. But it's right place, right time with the right motives and the right intentions and, and the ability to recognize that there's an opportunity. Right? So, yeah, it sounds like, yes, you've been very fortunate. But not everyone would have done what you did. Given those situations, so I think I think, it, I no, think, think there you, is. I thank think, you
1: for that, but well, I intend uh, to disagree. Fair enough, true. but I
0: but I think there I, I think there's something to that, and I think and one thing. Okay, so you're the backup goalie. You were granted you were part of championship caliber teams. That must have been a whole lot of fun for a variety of reasons. But maybe your name wasn't headlining in the paper, as, you know, for shutout after shutout, you know. So so what drove you to participate and then stay involved? You, uh, yeah.
1: Well, you know, you made friendships then mm-hmm. with, and and again, you made friendships with other freshmen and sophomores mm-hmm. and juniors and seniors that you would have never had an opportunity to make a friendship. I think that's what, you know, a lot of what athletics is about is the mm-hmm. camaraderie, the, the the relationships you develop with teammates. Um, my, the coach, was a physical education professor. Okay. And it's why I changed from social work to physical education, because I admired him so much. I said, My, "This is it. I want to be just like him." Yeah. And he was—he was the same kind of guy. I mean, we'd come out, and it would be an activity class that he was teaching, whatever. Besides our theory classes, and he'd be doing all of the exercises with us. He would be yeah. leading, and he did, which is why well, for 15 years I did the same That's thing till I couldn't do it anymore. Sure, uh, but he—I mean—he was in his late 50s or so, or 50s, when you know, when he did it. And, and he knew nothing mm-hmm. about soccer. I mean, he had been a wrestling coach and a wrestler all the way through. The guy who started the program became the assistant athletic director, didn't have time to be the soccer coach, so they recruited this guy to be the soccer coach. Mm-hmm. So he learned on the fly. He had benefit of the other, the other guy who had started sure. the program He's to learn from cool. him and learn from other coaches and whatnot. And developed, you know, obviously you got to recruit the horses. Right. But developed, you know, a national championship team. So, it, you know, it said, I want to be like him. I thought I wanted to teach at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. But when you get into high school and then you start, and you're married and you start having kids and you know that you're not going to make any money at the collegiate level. No. no. And, yeah, no. you know, you, get, you, just, you just get caught up. Yeah. And then, you know, there were times, like most people, I got caught up in, in coaching. Mm-hmm. There were times when my PE classes struggled because mm-hmm. I was in so my coaching confident. mode when I was a head coach at times. And mm-hmm. and uh, so you, it's it's all about evolution, I think. You gotta, That's right. you, you got to keep evolving.
0: Yeah. You know? y- yeah. yeah you, you have a very clear, it seems like, there's a very clear anchor to your experience. And, and it's kind of evolved as it's moved along. You mentioned three things that are... Just it's so. I love how cleanly it's mapping onto the work that we do with the Good Athlete Project. You mentioned activity, community, and mentorship, and like that's what I think draws people to sports and physical education. Um, And what a what an incredibly powerful learning platform that can and and should and oftentimes when it goes well, be. Um, It reminds me of one of the studies that I know that that John and you and and people have referenced a lot. That one of those rat studies. You know, not to go too deep into it, but your proclivity to be active and playing softball and just in playing football and all that stuff and then finding another brand new sport in college and just kind of always being drawn to activity reminds me of some of those rat studies. And I say this sometimes the results of those rat studies where they can uh, identify, you know, memory in in water maze tests and rats and stuff like that and identify hippocampal growth in, you know, as it is held up to the BDNF production. That's really, I mean, that's life-changing. It changed my life, too, when I first read that book. Um, but what was also compelling and a necessary component of that that people need to recognize is, you know, there, there were groups where they had um, rats with a treadmill and rats without a treadmill. When given the option, when given the treadmill, when given the option to move, there's no such thing as a rat that, that turned it down, right? Like, they, they, like us, any sort of mammalian species, we, we are built to move. We start with movement there's you know our brain everything in our bodies um sort of evolved after that we had to get from point a to point b and then defend and all the emotions that we have going through us all the the high level cognitive abilities those are only um as a result of, as a result of in what you people like you have realized happening in concert with movement mm-hmm. you, you can't separate them can't separate no, no that's, so.
1: I mean that Again, that's how we evolved from the Neanderthals, yeah. to where we're at now.
0: I mean, that's right. And, and, and I, I do this in my presentation. The ones, those among us who didn't move, are no longer among among us. Exactly. Right. They they got eaten. They you know, if you weren't proficient at this, you know, your genes didn't make it until now. Exactly. So that's exactly right. It's really interesting stuff. All right. So we have Alex usually asks um, lightning round questions, which is kind of like the final kicker. Uh, of, of again, just kind of interesting get-to-know-you stuff. Do you feel comfortable with that? All right. We'll it, try you know, it.
1: Give it your best shot. Well, <laughs> no, there's <laughs> nothing There's nothing <laughs>
0: terribly provocative.
1: The
0: uh, Okay, so one of them is your first job. No. What was your first job?
1: My first job was at a private school called Immaculate Conception in Elmhurst, where I taught fourth grade through seniors in high school. I coached football, I coached freshman basketball, and happenstance, they gave me the head track job, and I had never seen a track meet until I went to my first track meet as a head coach. coach. You talk about making mistakes. Well, and that's the sport I stayed with for 40 years because I spent so much time having to learn it that I just, I embraced it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was my first job. I was there for five years.
0: That's a really good first job. Uh first concert you ever went to?
1: <laughs> it was at Western Illinois University. I was a, I think a sophomore sophomore in college and it was Johnny Mathis at Western Illinois University.
0: So good. Especially I mean it's the holidays. Right? His ho- Johnny Mathis holiday stuff is incredible. Yeah.
1: And it, it was at, it was after the holidays. I know it was second semester, but Fair enough. that was my first concert ever.
0: Um okay, a book Outside of the field. So you can't say spark because you're in it.
1: Outside of the field. You know, I've, my um, because of my work, I've been looking at a bunch of different... I'm trying to think of something that was...
0: You can go in the field if you want. You know,
1: I'd have a hard time narrowing one that's like my favorite.
0: How about, um, how about movie not related to the field?
1: Movie not related to the field.
0: Anything sort of like... Yeah, anything that's been impactful media wise that's not exercise based, if possible.
1: I I enjoy comedy. So Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Love it. It's <laughs> one of my all time favorites. And and we we constantly talk about the scene where Mr. Crapper. Which one was that? Mr. Crapper's a huge guy who walks into the restaurant. I
0: don't remember.
1: And, oh if it, it, it,
0: I got to double back on this. Okay,
1: he's—I mean, this man is gigantic. He's—he's got a belly about as big as this, and he comes in, and everybody, everybody's spooning over because—and so they said, you know, they show him the menu and then tell him what the specials are, and he says, "I'll have the lot," (laughs) and then they have to bring a big bucket off to the side, and every so often he goes, "Oh Oh, God," and and they have to clean up after him, and and then the final he eats this whole i mean this table is just loaded with food and he eats it and he says and so the guy the, the maitre d comes up and says how about some dessert he says i could not eat one more thing he said and so the the uh, maitre d says how about just one little morsel so? and he says all right and he <laughs> eats this one more, and he just explodes and he explodes, I mean, he explodes. yeah just all, yeah. All. so when we go out to dinner, or, or you know, and we'll eat like we did New Year's Eve, and it it came up again because one of the couples that we were with, we saw the, the movie The Meaning of Life with, sure. and we were we were full, but yeah. we had dessert and we said, "How about one little?" <laughs> so? Yeah, yeah. So it, it it just impacts my life from a yeah, funny yeah. social kind of a way. It's it's that's
0: right. It's meaningless. It, Th- that's fair. But comedy is so necessary, though, so I like that. the And the meaning of life.
1: Well, yeah, you know, that, that and I certainly like them. Uh, I like uh, movies that that pertain to, uh, to the military, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, Patton or, or mm-hmm. you know, Saving Sergeant Ryan or so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Um, and it's become even more so my... Uh, my grandson is a junior at Bradley, and he's oh, wow. and he's started. He's gone into the ROTC, and so he'll Very he'll cool. join the army after graduation. And then I have a, another grandson who's a senior at Oswego High School this mm-hmm. year, and he's already enlisted in the Marines. Oh wow! So we've had our probably our last Christmas with him for a long for time. a while. Cause yeah, because he gets he goes to boot camp now in, in the end of July. So hmm. you know it's.
0: That's that's kind of bittersweet. It is you miss him, but proud of him.
1: Proud of them. no yeah. no question about it. But at the yeah. same time, in today's day and age, you worry. Sure. Any any day and age, you you worry about people going into the military. Again. Sure. But now, who knows what the heck's going to go
0: on in yeah. the future? I sure do not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't. Yeah. Was, did he play football out there? Did your, your grandson? Did play football. No, they both
1: no. ran track and cross country. Track
0: guys, great. Yeah. They, look at this. You see, changing lives. Um, all right, this is, okay, so this, this might be an obvious one, and we may have already talked about it, but the next question is, um, what's one habit that you couldn't go a day without, or, or at least a couple days? It's essential to who you are.
1: Bad. I have a
0: bad habit. What's that? I'm a sugar freak. Sugar freak. I like
1: it. I have to have something sugar every day after dinner. I just got to have something sweet.
0: The last morsel.
1: The last <laughs> right. And I'm right. waiting for my stomach to explode because it's getting closer all the time <laughs> as I get older. But yeah, I, um, that, I would say that's my biggest, that's advice I have. I, I just can't, I can't shake it. Right. I don't have, I'm lucky enough, I don't have diabetes or yeah. anything, but it's... That doesn't
0: sound like you want to shake it, and that's okay. No, it sounds like
1: At this point in time, I don't want to shake
0: it. No, that's fine. Well, what about a what about a positive okay. habit yeah, to, to counteract some, that? So that's a good one. Positive.
1: Um, again, just being in the right place at the right time. I met my current wife at Naperville Central High School. I can't imagine not spending a day with her i mean when i go on these conferences you know and i'm gone for a day or two or a week in sweden or whatever um i miss her mm. you know we've been we've only been together it'll be 27 years this february mm. but uh, she she changed my life she made me a, a more subdued uh, quiet introspective man than, than I was before. I would be lost without my wife.
0: That's incredible. That was a, that's yeah. a good response. There are no right or wrong answers, but I, that feels realize, like that was the right answer. I that was <laughs> I good. Okay, so the last two. One is, um, can you name a person or a researcher or someone in the field that uh, someone listening to this podcast might look out to if they want to learn more about this?
1: I think of a lot of a lot of. You can name a few, yeah. Okay. For me, somebody who influenced my life, greatly was Phil Lawler, Mm -hmm. Uh, he was the district coordinator, but uh, we just, he had a passion for phys ed like I did, Mm -hmm. and he taught at the junior high that fed into my high school, so we competed against each other, he was a baseball Mm -hmm. coach, I was a soccer and track coach, so we, you know, but we competed against each other, if I had something going on at the high school, then he had to try and replicate it at the junior Mm -hmm. high. If, and it would it would just upset me because well then there's nothing to look forward to when you come to the high school so then he would get something at the junior high well I had to you know and it was and it was back and forth but it drove both programs to another level I that's thought. right yeah certainly certainly meeting Brady and spending time with him and having him start me on this um journey of understanding mm-hmm. neuroscience and how it affects the mind as much as it does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then I love the brain scans that Chuck Hillman, who used to be at University of Illinois, has created. And and, and it's the work he's done with his Fit Kids program because it, it gives graphical science to how the brain reacts to movement and exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen his slides, you know, the two-headed slide. Is,
0: Chuck's the, that famous image famous, of, yeah and, yeah. and
1: by the way, that's out on the Internet because of me. He showed me those slides, and if you see it, if you go on the Internet, I was at the bottom, I says slides, compliments of Chuck Hillman. It's always on the yeah. slides. Well, yeah. I said, Chuck, we got to get this out there. But then he did. He did other brain scans on kids, mm-hmm. and he did higher fit kids and lower fit kids, mm-hmm. and they were sitting down and they, they took tests, flanker switch tests, you know, mm-hmm. like Lumosity, sure. yeah. and he compared the brain activity in the lower fit and the higher fit students, and there was no, I mean, there was mm-hmm. no comparison. And then he created a program we called the Fit Kids Program. Mm-hmm. Took 221 kids out of the Champaign-Urbana area, and he divided them in half, brought 119 of them in, and 112 then went on the on what he called the wait list. And every day there was a school day. He brought the kids into what was a, it was like a former hockey rink at the university. And he brought in phys ed students. Mm-hmm. And they, they put these kids through a very vigorous program for every day there was a school day. monitored them with heart rate monitors and pedometers to make sure that movement was moderate to vigorous movement all the time and whatnot. And these kids were on a wait list, and then when he compared these kids here to these kids, the brain development here was so much greater here, huh. and all it was was one more hour a day of activity, yeah. you know, physical activity. And they did everything: soccer, jump rope, basketball, running, hurdling. You, sure. you name it. There was just all kinds of different things that you normal pee, and the and the brain scan is just it's like whoa yeah and so you know when i show that to people they go yeah because that one of my slides is well you talk about all this data is there any empirical yeah i said i'm glad you asked yeah boom, 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 yeah. boom. Yeah. I show yeah those three those three slides and it's like oh okay
0: yeah it's indisputable and and you're right uh, to illustrate it to understand it in terms of numbers is one element to actually see the brain activation is is crazy it is
1: yeah. i mean so the, you know and again so chuck hillman to me you know is it really helped me out and i got to you know i got to visit him at u of i and see his his lab and and how he does the the mri scans on kids it's just so that's somebody you know that's to somebody that i think is a go-to person so yep. phil Ray, and, and hillman i think of they really the ones that, that pushed me a long way
0: Well, then that brings us to the final question of the podcast and lightning round. And that is, uh, we'd like to hear, as a a clear leader in the field, your advice to future leaders hoping to follow a similar career path.
1: Wow. (laughs) Number one, don't ever stop learning. Don't ever stop growing and changing. The minute you think you have all of the answers... Get out of the business. Go find something else to do. When um, when you make phys ed and coaching all about yourself, get out. You've you've lost your you've lost your your purpose. You've lost your sense of why you did that. I mean, I you know that. Those two pieces of advice, never stop growing, attend, you know, and to do that you have to attend conferences, Uh, but but when you go to PE conferences, don't go to learn what the latest, greatest game is that you can take back to school, it drives Mm -hmm. me crazy, you go to this, you've been there, the ballrooms are just packed with all these elementary teachers that want to take the next best game home, Right. and they miss out on you and I talking, Mm -hmm. which is more important than The next best game. I mean, they're creative enough; they could create their own games. Right. But no, they, you know, they want to steal from each other, and that's fine. You can do that, but don't miss out on opportunities to to learn from somebody in your, like yourself, in the field that takes it to an altogether different level. That's right. So,
0: well, that that seems like the perfect cap, actually, because the idea of taking it to another level is certainly something that you've done. And I say that I've said it a couple times over the course of the podcast. It's not fluff. It's not BS. It's it's a very real thing. I'm grateful. Um, countless kids across the U. S. and the world now are grateful, um, where they recognize it, it that it's you are doing or not. They're certainly benefiting from from the data and the methods. So uh, I'll be really excited to see where these. Where it all keeps going. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.